How's it going, everybody? Happy Memorial Weekend to you all. It's supposed to be a beautiful weekend. I guess there was some showers in the forecast for Monday, and now they're moving to Tuesday, so I should get an amen, but probably not. Hey, uh, let's pray, and then we're going to get into the text this morning. Father, it's such a privilege to open your book, your word of truth and of grace. Just pray, Lord, that you'd open up my heart. Even as I'm teaching this morning, Lord, would you humble me? Would you draw me to yourself and to your word? And may the power of your spirit, Lord, just change my life. Just want to be more like you, Lord. I just want to have a heart like David. And just pray, Lord, Spirit, come. Open our hearts, empty us, fill us with you. Let your word teach us who you are and what you want for our life. We just pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Open up your Bibles this morning to Psalm 34. It's a great time if you need a copy of the Scriptures to just lift up your hand. We want to get a copy of God's Word to you. We'll be looking at Psalm 34 this morning. This is the Psalm of David. And one of my favorite texts in all of the Scriptures, a passage that's been very incredibly important in my life that I've come to time after time again. Psalm 34. And before we start looking at the text this morning, let me just give you a little bit of background of why and when David wrote this psalm. If you remember the famous battle of David and Goliath, where David was a shepherd boy and faced this unconquerable Goliath, and he slung the stone and took Goliath down, and then again the entire Philistine army. And the nation of Israel was experiencing a victory. And if you remember, according to 1 Samuel 18, that there was a woman that came back from the victory and she started singing the praises of David. She said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. It was an awesome time in that part of his life. And I remember this, Saul immediately heard that and what happened? He got jealous. He became angry. He didn't like it that David, now his right-hand man, was getting all the fame and the glory. So Saul turned immediately on David and sought to destroy his life. So David actually fled from Saul, was on the run. Now he once was Saul's right-hand man, and now he was living in fear and terror for his life. It's a pretty incredible story. David fled according to 1 Samuel 21, to the city of Gath. And at the city of Gath, he came before King Achish. And King Achish found David and his servants said to him, Isn't this David, where Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands, and David again feared for his life. And do you remember the story of what happened to David? He actually became mad. He literally acted insane he realized that this king and his servants were probably going to take his life, so he acted like a madman. And God delivered him. King even said, 
get this madman away from me. This certainly is not David. And God delivered him and he fled. So now David, once on the top, only a short time later, has no friends, has fled to a hiding place. He's living in a cave with no food or water. Can you just imagine this man's experience and the circumstances in his life? And he writes Psalm 34. Let's look at it together. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. For I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. We're just going to focus this morning on the first six verses. I'll encourage you the rest of this week to finish the reading of Psalm 34. It's an extremely powerful psalm. But if you start at verse 1, I, I, I was looking at it this week and I was wondering, is David still mad? I mean, is he still acting insane? I mean, if you literally look at where he is in his life, I believe he's at one of the lowest points to date in his life. And he says this, I will bless the Lord at all times, that his praise shall continually be on my mouth. I was thinking about me, if I was in David's circumstances, I'd probably be saying this, what are you doing, God? Why are you treating me this way? Why have you brought me to this place? Haven't I been your faithful servant, anointed king, doing the things that you've asked me to do? Rising up the nation of Israel, and why do you bring me here? That's probably what my heart would do. But you start to see, according to 1 Samuel 13, 14, David truly is a man after God's own heart. He is at one of his lowest points to date, and he makes this statement, a statement that I believe helps change the world in understanding what the gospel should be in our hearts. I will bless the Lord at all times, that his praise shall continually be on my mouth. To bless the Lord means to speak highly of. It means to speak a good word about. I believe it's far more than David just speaking this word. David here is making a heart decision. He's saying no matter where I am, no matter what I'm dealing with, no matter the circumstances and the good times and the bad, I am going to make a heart choice. I am going to choose with all of my life in the depths of my soul and in my heart to bless the Lord at all times. Isn't that awesome? It's inspiring. 
And it's a word that we need to hear this morning. And I pray that God will use it in your life and in my life. As there's so many people that I have talked to that are in deep seasons of the valley. Would we be able to make a choice in our hearts to bless the Lord? Notice what the Scriptures does not say. It does not say that the Lord will bless me at all times. I'm going to make this statement because you won't hear it certainly preached in the pulpit at Crossroads Bible Church. We will not preach the health and wealth gospel. It's unbiblical. Notice what the Scripture says. It scriptures, scripture says this, I will bless the Lord. The Christian life is not about God blessing us. It's about us being a blessing to God. Notice that the Scripture does not say God will bless me at all times. In fact, if you believe this, we're living in the New Testament church. The Scripture says this according to Jesus and Paul and Peter. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, that all who desire to live godly will be persecuted. Did you know that? Makes you want to ask the question, do you really want to be a Christian? All who desire to live godly, to live for the Lord, to give your whole heart to the kingdom of God, here's the promise, you will be persecuted. 1 Peter 4, 12-16, I'm just going to ask you to take this reference down and read it later this week. It says this, don't be surprised at the sufferings that are coming your way as though they were strange to you. But not only don't be surprised, but rejoice in the sufferings of Christ. Philippians 3.10, Paul continues, it says, I'll press on to know Him and the power of His resurrection and to share in the fellowships of the sufferings of Christ. The Christian life is not about God blessing us. It's about us being a blessing to God. And David makes a heart choice no matter where he is. Certainly, in his deepest valley, I will choose to bless the Lord at all times. It's overwhelming. It's inspiring. It makes David in my heart say, David, you're my hero. Because I don't feel like that on a regular basis when things aren't going well in my life. I want to be like David. Let's look at verse 2 this morning. I love this. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Is this an incredible statement? My soul the depth of who I am, at my core, my heart, what I live for, what I long for, my soul will make its boast in who? In the Lord. This is such a countercultural statement to our world today. What does our world make its boast in? In the praise of man. God help us. David gets it so right. My soul, and he says this in the midst of his circumstances, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. 
and the humble will hear it and they will rejoice. He's literally talking about bragging about God when things aren't going well. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. But in our world today, we like to boast in the praise of man. I have my MBA. I was the one that got promoted. My ministry is flourishing. My kids are the best on the team. I was the top salesperson this month. And on and on we go. And I'll just say before you, guilty as charged. Guilty. But David says this, if you want to know God's heart, it's to boast in the Lord. I'll never forget this. My dad and I used to read Scripture together and as I was a young boy and there were so many times where he'd bring Scriptures to me and I was like, I don't really want to look at this right now, but I look back years later, I'm like, I'm really glad he shared these things with me. But he could see in my life the pride that was creeping up in my heart as I would get achievements and successes and gifts to me. And we read Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And I'll just quote it for you this morning. It's an extremely humbling verse. It says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord that exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. In these things I delight, declares the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Paul continues this in the New Testament. He says in Galatians 6.14, God forbid that we would boast in anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. I just want to remind you this morning, if you're thinking about boasting this week in anything but God, James 1.17 says this, that every good and perfect gift comes from where? It comes from above. It comes from Almighty God. All of your talents, all of your gifts, all of your achievements, all of the things that have ever come good and perfect in your life, they come from the Creator who created you. We have nothing to offer. John, in Jesus, John 15 says this, I am the vine and we are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So David says this, boast in the Lord. And this is awesome. Look who hears it. Look at verse 2. The humble hear it and rejoice. It's like they're the ones that actually can make sense of it, right? Because they don't want to boast in anything. The humble hear it and rejoice. And Rod made it so clear last week. The prideful are out and the humble are in. I want to ask you a question this morning. Where do you make your boast? Do you boast in you? 
or do you boast in the Lord? My soul will make its boast in the Lord. Let's look at verse 3 together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Do you know what it means to magnify the Lord? This is so awesome. It's so simple. To magnify the Lord literally means to tell how great God is. Have you done that lately? Have you magnified the Lord? I just want to encourage you this morning. All life is worship. Did you know that? All life is worship. The only reason that you are here and I am here is because we've been created for one purpose and one purpose only, to worship his holy name. I'll give you another chance. To worship his holy name. All life is worship. Worship is not just about coming to church on Sunday morning singing a few songs, tithing and putting monies in the offering plate, on occasion raising some hands as though that were a form of worship. None of that is wrong. In fact, I believe that God is pleased with that. But let me tell you what true, genuine worship is. It is life surrendered to Jesus. It is our hearts. When I wake up in the morning, I live for one reason and one reason only, to magnify his holy name. David got this so right in the midst of his circumstances, living in a cave with nothing to offer, with no friends, with no food, with no water. And he called out and said, God, I'll tell you how great you are. What a man after God's own heart. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I want to pause here just for a moment. Because still some of me is kind of like, okay, David, but you're the anointed one. You're the next king of Israel. You're a man after God's own heart. I mean, it's kind of cool that we can look up to you and look to your word, but how does David really do this? How does David get to a place that he can bless the Lord at all times? I really believe this. David has a track record with God. He's seen God be faithful to him. The answer to the question of how David gets to a place where he can bless God, the answers are in verses 4, 5, and 6. Let's look at them together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Do you know what it means to seek the Lord? It's what David is saying here. He's saying, in the past, I've done this. I've sought the Lord. Do you know what it means to biblically seek the Lord? We talk about it here a lot at Crossroads. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, Seek me, and you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. 
But do you know at its core what it really means to seek the Lord? It's actually really simple. It's taking a step in God's direction. It's moving in and leaning in to the kingdom of God. That's biblically what it means to seek the Lord. It's not sitting on the couch and hoping you get a revelation from God today. Seeking the Lord is about action. It's about stepping and moving and getting out of yourself and myself and our world and calling out and stepping into a direction toward Almighty God. That's what it means to seek the Lord. The scriptures are very clear. It's all about action. Matthew 7, 7 says this, Ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. James 4, 8 continues this, Draw near to God, and what's his response? He will draw near to you. Our God is a responsive God. I believe this with all of my heart. My God passionately pursues me, but he does not force himself on me. He says, Derek, I'm here. Come. Come. Come to me. If you want to find God, you have to step and move and go in his direction. And look what the text says. I sought the Lord and he answered. At the core of seeking God, I believe that we have to have a goal. There has to be a reason of why we would seek him. And I believe this with all of my heart. To really seek God, there must be a fundamental reason why we do it. And it really comes down to this. It's very simple. If you want to seek the Lord like David did, here's the goal. To find out who God is and what he wants for your life. That's it. If you want to seek the Lord, biblically, you need to find out who he is and what he wants for your life. And the reality, the fruit of seeking God will come down to one word, obedience. It's obedience. God, who are you and what do you want for my life? And having the courage to give him your heart and hear what he tells you and obey. The scriptures are very clear. 1 John 5, 3 says this. This is the love of God. This is what it means to have a relationship with him, to love him and give him all of your heart. Obey my commands. And my commands are not burdensome. For so many years, obedience has been looked at. Well, this is a list of rules and regulations and the things that I'm supposed to do and it's been brought into legalism. Let me tell you what God's commands are. They are pathways of freedom. They are pathways of seeking and moving into God, finding out who he is and what he wants for your life, God's commands are not derogatory lists of what we have to do. They are with joy in our heart, pathways of freedom for you and for me. And you say, well, what will God free us from? He'll free us from ourselves. That's what it means to seek the Lord.
to get my world and my agenda and my hopes and my dreams and push him to the side and to step toward Almighty God. Are you seeking the Lord? Am I seeking the Lord? You want to know what the answer is to those who biblically seek him and call upon his name? David found it. I sought the Lord, and notice this. In verse 4, he answered. He answered. Isn't that awesome? He answers. And I want to make it very clear. God does not tell you when he's going to answer. He does not even say, when you call upon me and when you seek me, I'll tell you what you want to hear. He just says, I'll answer. Has God been answering you? Are you seeking him with a pure heart in a way where God is responding to you and he is answering you? I can only speak from my life at the times that I have sought the Lord and I have not heard him. It's when I've sought him with an impure heart. It's when I've already made up my mind the decision that I'm going to do and so I'm like, hey God, will you just bless it? That's unbiblical. Seeking the Lord is seeking God with a pure heart. James 4.3 says this, You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Friends and family, let me just suggest to you this morning that if you want to seek God with a pure heart, you need to find out who He is, what He wants for your life. You need to have the courage and the trust to obey and to praise God his holy name. I can only tell you this, that before I came on staff here with Crossroads, I felt God calling me in the full-time ministry and Charity and I prayed, many of you don't know this, we prayed for a full year. We sought the Lord. It was hard in our family. Because it was going to be a major, major life-altering change. It's difficult. But what we prayed was this, Lord, your will be done. If you tell us this is what you want us to do, Lord, give us the courage and the trust and the faith to do it, no matter what the cost. We sought who God was and we heard him directly say, this is where I want you to go. And I'll say this about seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord is not the hard part. The hard part is when he tells you what you want to do, no matter what the cost or how challenging it might be, to have the courage and the trust and the faith to be obedient and to go his way. Some of you this morning are saying this, Derek, I'm seeking and I'm not hearing. Can I just encourage you this morning? Keep seeking. Keep crying out. 
keep looking to God. Keep taking a step in his direction. Psalm 34 is about God's faithfulness to David. He sought the Lord and he answered. And delivered me from all of my fears. You know what David is saying here, which is so awesome? David's number one fear is that in seeking the Lord, God wouldn't respond. That's the fear that I have every day when I call out to God that he doesn't answer. That's the fear that David has been delivered from. God's faithfulness. He sought the Lord and he answered. I was thinking about this today, modern day fears that many people in this culture are experiencing. Certainly with the economic battle not only in Michigan but across the country, there are many people that are living in the bondage of fear. Give you a couple of examples of modern day fears that we all are dealing with. Certainly the fear of death. The fear of abandonment. The fear of rejection. The fear of becoming poor. The fear of relationship strife. The fear of job loss. And on and on and on they go. And I'm sure I've left many out this morning. But let me tell you what at the core is the reality of fear. Fear will always be based on this word. It's uncertainty. It's uncertainty. I don't know what the market's going to do tomorrow. I don't know when my kids are going to come back to the Lord. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills next month. It's fear. I want to encourage you this morning that if you're living in fear, Jesus has a cure for fear, worry, and anxiety. He says this, Matthew 6.33, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He's talking in the context of fear and worry. He says, don't worry about what you will wear, what you will eat, or what you will drink. I will take care of you. You seek me. You seek to become like me. I'll take care of the rest. Can we praise an awesome God? I believe this. He is faithful. He is faithful. And at the opposite of fear is the word trust. Really easy to say and really hard to do. But Psalm 40 says this, Blessed is the man who makes his trust in the Lord. Amen? I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Let's look at verse 5 together. I love this. It says, They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces will never be ashamed. I couldn't stop help thinking about Moses this week when Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai. And what happened at Mount Sinai? He got the covenant law from God. 
Can you just imagine Moses in that place and what happened when Moses met with Almighty God? He came down the mountain and the scripture says that his face was radiant. It was glowing. He was awestruck. Who can imagine what Moses was feeling and experiencing in that moment? And notice this, it's because he looked to him. He was radiant. And that's what David is saying here, that when you look to him, when you get the focus off of yourself, when you cry out to the Lord and you look to Almighty God, your face will never be ashamed. Never be ashamed. And I will say this right now because I've experienced it in my own life. You will never regret looking to Almighty God. You will always regret the times that you look to you. They looked to him and were radiant. They'll never be ashamed. Let's look at verse 6. I love this. This is awesome. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all of his troubles. Sometimes the scriptures are so simple and they're so clear that you don't need to take a biblical hermeneutics class to figure out the interpretation. This poor man, David describing his condition, poor. What did he do? He cried. He cried. In the light of his circumstances and where he is, he was real and honest. There was some emotion there. It wasn't just about blessing God and thinking everything's okay. He was needy. He was broken. He was desperate. And he cried. He wept. And I love this. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. Not only did the Lord hear him, he saved him. Out of all of his troubles, he saved him. God always resides with the desperate. He always decides with the needy, with the broken. This poor man cried. He literally wept. And the Lord heard him and saved him. When is the last time that you've cried? Cried out to God. Here's the promise. He'll hear you and save you. Out of all of your troubles. I want to bring your attention to the reason that I believe David can bless the Lord at all times. Look at the verbs in verses 4, 5, and 6. They're all past tense verbs. He sought and he answered. He looked and became radiant. He cried and the Lord heard him and saved him. 
David only gets to the place where he can bless God, where he can boast in the Lord, where he can magnify his name because he's seen this. Psalm 34 is about those who put their trust in the Lord. God responds in faithfulness. This is a psalm of God's faithfulness to David. He has a track record with God. He's cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Do you need God to save you? Are you at a place today where you're just like, I don't know what's going to happen next in my life. Might be hard for me to really bless the Lord, but I know this. I deeply need God to save me. I am. I need the Lord. I need him to hear me and save me out of all my troubles. It was 10 years ago this month, I can't believe this, but 10 years ago this month, I graduated from college. It's kind of weird. I was like trying to reminisce back to the days of being in college, and I'll tell you, man, I made a lot of mistakes, and I was really stupid in college. And then I look 10 years later, I'm still making a lot of those stupid mistakes and still being... Derek and needing a lot of help, but I can tell you this, I had a great experience. I went to Taylor University and met my beautiful wife, Charity, and, and uh, just had a great experience at Taylor and started to think about my years at school there and in particular my last year, my senior year of college. And up to this point in my life, my senior year at Taylor was the most trying season of my life. I really was brought to Psalm 34 and started living out the verses that we've went over this morning. But my senior year at Taylor, I was coming back. I played four years of basketball at Taylor. My junior year, I had a very great campaign. Our team was ranked in top of the nation, and I got all these honors and achievements for playing basketball in my junior year. My senior year, I came back, all these expectations really high and was excited about the year. Five games into my senior year, the Lord took my season away. I broke a bone in my foot and my career was done. I remember just sitting and feeling so alone. It was used to be me out on that basketball court and now it was me trying to half-heartedly cheer on my teammates, watch them practice and watch them in the games, and it was a really challenging time. God broke me and brought me to Him. It was a phenomenal season of my life. The last game of my senior year, I lost in the playoffs. I came back to my home and I got a phone call. It was Charity's mom on the phone, and you could hear the distress in her voice. She said, where's Charity? I need to talk to her. Something awful has happened. I didn't know where Charity was, but I got the full story from her mom that Charity's dad was in a severe car accident. 
He was on a two-lane road in Ohio, and both cars were heading in an excess of 45 miles an hour, and they collided. It's a miracle her dad lived through the accident. The car was totaled. He broke his hip, his leg, and his arm. He had severe head lacerations, and at that time and place, he was almost unrecognizable. It was devastating. Remember, I found Charity. We immediately hopped in the car and drove to Ohio to be with her family, to visit with her dad. We spent the weekend just praying and being together, and, and uh, it was going to be a long road to recovery for her dad. He was in severe, severe pain, and now to this day is experiencing the illness of being handicapped. I'll never forget that Sunday morning, 6 a.m., I heard the most violent scream I've ever heard in my life. I ran up the stairs and saw Charity and her mom on their knees, on the kitchen floor. Just wailing in pain and grief. There was a policeman standing at the door who had just reported that Charity's brother of 23 years old, who had been married for two months, was killed that night in a car accident. I know what to say. I couldn't breathe. I remember the next hour was the most painful, most difficult hour of my life. I had to drive Charity and her mom to the hospital to tell their dad that his son was killed. I'll never forget the day of Charity's brother's funeral. You can just picture this. Charity's dad shows up to the funeral in an ambulance, laying in a stretcher bed with a broken hip, leg, and an arm in severe physical pain. We wheel him down in a stretcher bed down the middle of the aisle of the church service with over 300 people not a dry eye in the whole place. It was the tragedy of all tragedies. I'll never forget the end of the service. Charity's dad, unplanned, asked if he could address family and friends. I literally remember turning around the stretcher bed so he could face the family. He grabbed the microphone and I will never forget what he said. He meant it with all of his heart. He said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. 
at that very moment, I had never felt this before, the most powerful presence of God in that place. I was like looking at a modern day Job. Two months before that, not many people know this, his whole business had been taken from him. And I looked at that man, and all I could think of was Job 121. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The verse after that is even more powerful. In all of this, Job did not sin, and he did not blame God. It's unbelievable. A couple months later, Charity and I were together. We made a commitment in our hearts that no matter where we were, no matter what we would deal with or what God would put in front of our life, we were going to be like David. We were going to make a choice in our hearts to bless the Lord at all times. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'm going to close with the reading of Psalm 34. And I just want you to hear the goodness of the Lord just cover you this morning. Psalm 34, 17 says this, that when the righteous cry, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those that are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all of his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. I don't know where you are this morning, what season you're in, but I know there are many people in deep seasons of the valley. I just had this on my heart all weekend. Maybe your parents out there and your kids have walked away from the Lord. Would you be like David? Would you cry out? Maybe your marriage is on the rocks and you don't know where to turn next. Be like David. Cry out. Maybe you don't know how you're going to pay your bills this month. This stuff is very real. Cry out. Some of you this morning, will you make a commitment in your heart to choose to bless the Lord? at all times. When the righteous cry, the Lord hears and saves them 
out of all of his troubles. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth.